2: Welcome back to Fly on the Call, and please join me in welcoming back the Almighty Cliff Diver. They have expanded a bit in size since the last time we had them on. I'm so excited to be talking to co-vocalists Joey and Bree. They're right now wrapping up their first East Coast tour before heading out with Bowling for Soup and Less Than Jake for a bunch of the rest of the summer. So be sure to make it to any of those dates if you can. I'm personally heading to the Connecticut show tonight. Today we're talking about really, you know, everything happening with their debut LP exercise your demons uh everything happening super organically and you know how they continue their deeply personal and emotional lyrics um while continuing to grow more and more comfortable with being open with each other you know really in a way like really exercising their own demons through their work you know we're talking about some of the darkest moments on the album how the band kind of reacted to each other and you know brought a little bit of light to some of what the other members were feeling which I think is a really awesome thing and leads to this unique feel that Cliff Diver has they always want to tell the full story not just here are my moments of desperation for you to feel sad with me but also here are the moments of triumph here's the process that I've been going through to work on getting better and continue getting better and you know celebrate those highs even when I know there's still gonna be more of lows um, we're talking about like really kind of losing yourself to the full band applying your own value to others work and of course performing live really telling the stories and giving context to them which is you know a place i'm sure the band shines and i can't wait to experience for the first time tonight so here we go the return of cliff diver to fly call biggest change since uh we last spoke for this podcast was bringing Brianna into the band. And uh I would just love to hear a little bit about how that happened and uh
0: how it went.
1: Sure. I love hearing Joey tell this story. So I'm gonna <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna let you tell it. I was like, All right, we'll let Bri tell this one. All right. Um so it was, you know, 2020. Uh and there was this little little, you know, thing going on for a bit during it. I don't know if you you heard, you kept up on the news or whatnot, but um, so it was—it was a real down time. Everyone was, you know, uh, obviously for obvious reasons, not not doing too well. It was so—it was so unprecedented and so much of a deep anxiety for a lot of a lot of our friends. We'd see people, you know, just really going through it, um, and so Matt and I decided we were going to just write this really kind of cheesy kind of just good vibe song, right? That was our only goal was to just like, what's gonna make somebody smile today? You know what I mean? What can we do for for our friends? It's like, they'll, they'll walk away feeling like they got a hug or something. So we start writing this, this song um, and we got the idea to like have some of our friends on it. Cause we're like, what could be better than if we brought in some of our favorite Tulsa musicians? So we contacted Daniel Bazin from When the Clock Strikes. Um, and then I hit up Brie because Bree and I had been friends for a couple of years um, at this point, and um, we'd worked together. Like I, I hosted uh, her album release show. Like we'd worked together, but never worked together musically. Um, we just kind of like Brie I knew knew of Cliff Diver because I'd send her music, and like she, she'd been a fan for a while. And so it's just like, man, this is that opportunity we get to work with, you know, some of our favorite people. And so Brie came in and crushed it. I mean, obviously you can hear the song you can hear that it just wouldn't have been the same without her and we quickly realized that me and matt were you know outside after after the recording just standing by our cars talking like we always do um and we were was just like man we messed up and because if we ever do this song without Brie, people are gonna be mad so we go what do we do and i go what if it's crazy what if and Matt's like that would be crazy, but what if? And I was like, I know, right? Shouldn't we at least? Uh, and so I, I messaged Bri, and I was like, What if? And she was like, Get out of here! Don't mess with me! Don't you know? Like, don't don't play with my emotions. And like, I think it took, you know, a couple messages, um, long messages on my part, just being like, Listen, listen. And like, I was I was doing this hard pitch, and she was just like, No, I mean, I of course I'll do it. It sounds awesome, <laughs> you know, like. I gotta, but I gotta vet y'all first. So we, we met up and uh, hung out and like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the conversation, we were all just kind of looking at each other. Like, "Do we do it? Should we just do it? Should we do it? Should we just like, people are gonna freak out. They'll have no idea. And I'm so glad, you know, that she said yes. Cause the band is, you know, undeniably better um, ever since we've added her. I mean, we could have been a pretty good band. Um, if we hadn't changed the lineup, we could have been pretty good. You know what I mean? Like we could have played, around opening for people for the next couple years before we broke up after disappointing lp3 you know like we could have done that it would have been good but i with brianna we had the opportunity to do something great um and it just felt the cool thing about this band has been anytime we've had an opportunity for something that i think is supposed to happen um it's felt really organic there hasn't been any like oh i don't know if we should do this i don't know if this is the right idea It's, it's always like especially with brie matt and i and our manager Joe, whenever we're we're brainstorming and stuff like that, we're just like, nope, that's it. That's the person. That's the idea. That's what we're doing. And it was the same thing there. It was just like, no, this is it. This is this is this is the the best thing we could do. And and it proved to be true because uh, you know we got to write this this uh, this album, and you know it was an amazing experience. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But even more than that, like we get to really chase our dreams now. And, and we really needed Brianna um, to kind of, she's she's such a otherworldly talent. And she doesn't like too many nice things being said about her. So I'll limit them. Um, but like, it, it's just, it's an amazing feeling. I, I think for me, it was incredibly validating because as a singer, and I think of this all the time, even in practice the other night, I was like, just the fact that she thinks I'm good enough to sing with, to share, you know, a front man position with has done so much for my self-confidence. It's ridiculous. I don't see myself as the same performer I was a year ago because having that knowledge in the back of my head, like, even when I'm like, man, you're terrible. I'm like, if you were terrible, Brianna wouldn't have joined the band, <laughs> you know, it's like these moments of like, it, it's just when, when someone who's that talented, you know, believes in in what you're doing, it it allows you to really believe in it as well, so uh, that's that's the the long and short of it, but uh, we're just it's the best thing best thing ever happened to us. So <laughs> love you, Bree. Love you. Love you. And if you could email me that ten bucks um, for that,
1: uh, <laughs> you great. you did great. <laughs> thank you, you. Thank great. you.
0: Uh, you know, I I changed a couple of the words in the in the prompts, but you know, I thought no, <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. It's a it's a privilege. It's a pleasure. And we, you know, we got to shoot a music video yesterday, and it was just like. There's so many moments during it where we were looking at each other and we're like, "Oh we could do this, huh we could actually do this, and this is fun and it's easy and it's it's not easy, but you know what I mean so anyway that's that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean speaking to uh just the organic nature of the edition, I will have to say like uh cat heaven felt like a bit of a disappointment without you on it, Bree. <laughs> I think so too. Thank
0: you. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do Breeze version of a couple songs, like you know, in honor oh, nice. of our girl T Swift. So there'll be a, there'll probably definitely be a Breeze version of Cat Heaven. Um, of the one we're really excited about is Elwoods. We're gonna do a a Breeze version of Elwoods and completely change the entire vibe of it. So don't know when, but you know, <laughs> we got time.
2: Nice. Uh, I mean, you kind of just spoke about the overall journey of creating the record and, you know, how, you know, thankful you are for that experience. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like what, you know, made you so excited about the whole process? Go for um, it. Brie. Sure.
1: Um, so yeah, I just three... monologue.
0: It's, it's your turn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, so with the album, I mean, getting, getting me thrown into the mix, the boys at that point had done um, at your own risk and, Uh, small hours and all of that. So they kind of had a process. So there was a lot involved with sort of relearning that and kind of folding me in. And it was, a lot of it was exciting to kind of figure out how to make me and Joey sound good together, you know, in this realm, doing what Cliff Diver does. And uh, that was, I mean, in and of itself, it was really exciting. It felt like we were doing something new. It felt, um, It was, I mean, it was just that in and of itself was exciting once we found the sound and it was kind of like, okay, this is how our voices work together. Everything we did from then on out was so exciting and so like life-giving. Like it was, it really was just like, our cups were just so full um, making the album. We were all going through things, I think at the same time, kind of weirdly in tandem when we were writing it, but the excitement around what coming together looks like never went away. Like we were, we were writing up until the last day at the studio and, and it was, it, it comes so naturally, like even the, not just the additions, not just the, you know, ideas that we have as a band, but the, the work that we do is very organic the way we get along is very organic too. It's it's like, it's, it's truly, it's, 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 it's we, we're so lucky.
0: Yeah. I mean, Brie, Brie hit it on, on the head. We, we, you know, when we, we added Brie and then um, about five, six months after that, we added Gil, our our second guitarist. And um, he also brought in a whole different level of writing because he, he has his own band. He's been him and Matt were in a band together um, before this called Much Less, which I originally auditioned for uh, the vocalist for his old band or I was going to and I just never did. And then Gil was originally going to, you know, Audition for the lead in cliff diver I found out and it just didn't fit and so then like three years later it's crazy like to to have him in it and it. It it, he brings a, a different kind of songwriting like he can write the prettiest like heartwarming like beautiful high melodies and stuff he's he's really talented and so with with him. It kind of felt like the last piece like Matt, Bree, and I were having some some pretty good success writing. We were figuring each other out and I'm glad we had the time to get to know each other first before Gil came in. Um, and Gil's been in for over a year now, which is crazy. I talked to him about it the other day. It, feel, it still feels like he's brand new, but, you know, and, and we were talking about it with him. And he was just like, man, it's so cool to be able to play and release these songs that I helped write now. And it's like such a a more you know, concrete feeling of, of being part of it. And um, we have come together so well over the last year. And I think the album was the was the first steps to us learning to trust each other fully. Um, you know, there's some in writing, writing was the, the first first step was being like, okay, there aren't bad ideas, let's work together. No one's dumb, everyone is, you know, a good writer. Um, so don't feel like you have to prove that you belong in this room. And I think that took longer, um, because it's more of a subconscious thing. It's more of a, like beneath the surface, there's always that imposter syndrome. And when you're working with people who've worked together for a long time, it's, um, it could be, it can be daunting. And so I I think we, we really got to work at work it out. And we're stronger because of it. And, you know, I can't, we can't wait to start writing LP two because we've we've grown so much in the last you know four months even you know just since we we got back from touring this fall and we were like wow okay let's let's go again let's step up let's let's keep going so we're in a really cool spot i think um, as a band that has everyone on the same page and everyone believes and that the studio was like that first moment we all went oh we could do something special here so
2: yeah and what was like the magic in the studio like for you <laughs>
1: Oh, man, it was tangible. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. our um, recording was an entire adventure. And we we went into the studio pretty prepared. Um, but things happen. And there were songs that fell apart, our, like, accommodation situation fell apart. And all we had was each other. And you know what I mean? And and what we do and and how we interact. And we just kind of had to cling to each other and continue writing. And it, it like, man, I, I just I love getting to make music with them all day long. And especially in a studio, where kind of one at a time. We can just kind of gas each other up when we're recording. We'll be, you know, everyone gets applause when they come out the booth you know, and we eat meals together. It's, I mean, it's so familial and it really was out there and especially in situations where we just, you have to rely on each other. So, so, so deeply. And it's, it's nice to be safe in a situation like that, but yeah, we, we, we did a lot of grinding out there. That's, (laughs) that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and Seth Henderson at, at ABG is, um, Just, just a delight to work with as a producer because he's really hands on. He's not a paycheck producer. He's he's in there in in the muck and the mire with you, you know, trying to figure out what that fourth harmony is. And you know, we'll be spending an hour on something, a riff, or you know, because we know that he's like, no, there's something else in there. There's something, and and he always pushes you, especially in the vocal booth. I mean, like there's some stuff that we recorded. That I still don't know how I sang that high. Like <laughs> I tried to replicate it. And we've had to take steps, you know, um, like all the great emo before us, you know, to accommodate those. But like Seth knew how to kind of pull it out, and and we worked with the manager on risk, and we were just like, man, for LP one, we have to go with someone who kind of already gets what we're trying to do, um, because we were trying to recapture the things that we um, really enjoyed about. At your own risk, but then um, make it all new again. Um, and I think that's a theme of the band is, you know, and not the nostalgic tone, but the 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 memories of a memory. It's like this sounds this sounds familiar, but you can't quite place it. But it's also different, you know. And I think um, Seth really helped unlock that. So that was that was also a, a a cool part of it. And you know, much love to to Seth Henderson and and the fam down at, down in Crown Point, Indiana. Uh, We had a great time
2: Yeah I mean I'm talking about Kind of like trying to Still capture that you know the magic Of your other work Um, I will admit I was a little nervous when New New Vegas Bomb dropped I was like Oh god like this is really good But is this going to be like different than the Cliff Diver I loved I was you know so happy Like I really feel like you found uh, A good mix between The new and the the classic Um, And can you talk a little about kind of like You know fusing those sounds and kind of, you know, creating the sound that doesn't really like keep you boxed in.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that was super important in the writing was not, um, kind of taking the, the easy shots when we had the, which, you know, much to our chagrin now when we're trying to learn how to play them live. But, um, you know, I, I think it was important to be like, okay, this is the generic line and it works, but well, how do we, know this is too much like the last album how do we take this idea and then you know kind of transmogrify it into something completely different and um i think having you know the core we still have you know me donnie matt elliot you know we've been we've been doing it for since 2018 which is crazy to me because the pandemic you know took took a clean 18 months out of that so the other day i was like yeah we've been a band for four years, but not really, but kind of, so, um, I think, I think it's intentional, um, that there's some familiarity to, to the, um, even the structuring of it being kind of a, um, a more expanded version of a story that we kind of started it at your own risk. Um, I think it is the direct continuation, um, up until this point, it's kind of, all of our songs kind of do fit into a, conclusive narrative you know to an extent because they're all ripped directly from our lives um that you know i'm we're we're writing about things that that we used to write about but how is it different now how is it kind of evolved and i think so by doing that just by nature we had to change it a little bit um and it was it was a lot of fun so i I think brie could probably speak on um, she has a whole different perspective coming into something that she's already familiar with, but in like a completely outsider point of view. So um, I'll let you take over from there about the fusing of the new and the old, because you had an instrumental part in that.
1: Sure. Um, well, yeah. So and and I knew when they asked me to be in the band, you know, there was there was kind of a lot to consider as far as like, you know, what kind of what, the, what that looks like. I can agree to it, but we don't know what's going to come out when we start writing and when we start experimenting. And if we're actually going to, you know, find something that works, it's not just as easy as, you know, replacing a guitarist or whatever. It's, you know, there's a lot of nuance there. And I think um, obviously working with Seth was a huge part of that and, and was instrumental, I think, in kind of maintaining that um, with the new Twist and Turn. Um, but I think it was just, it was so much work. We had to spend so much time experimenting. Like we went full mall goth goth at one point. We were (laughs) were making
0: Cure songs at one point.
1: (laughs) It was like Cures for Fears, scabbing, goth scob. Like we were messing with everything. We just decided to go as hard as we could. Every idea, every crazy idea, experiment with different kinds of harmonies, different kinds of interplay between me and Joey. And I think that's that's one reason we love the album so much is it is such a concentration of that hard work and also like uh, a real respect and desire to not paint ourselves into a corner, but to preserve that idea of cliff diver. Cause I don't want a bunch of people yelling at me about, you know, shut up, I don't like it now that she's in
2: the band. Like
1: <laughs> you can't really say that because it's still cliff diver. It's different, but it's still very much cliff diver. And that I know for me that was like a huge goal because I love cliff diver. And I, you know, if I'm gonna be part of it, then if I'm not making it better, what am I doing? A, but B I want it to still be cliff diver at the end of the day and give people what they come wanting when they, you know, for sure.
0: Yeah. Wonderfully said, I think, I think that was the intentionality was, um, the not painting ourselves in the corners. Um, cause we don't know what's going to come out the next time we write, like we have no idea. We're completely different musicians than we were when we wrote this album. Um, and so it's exciting. It's exciting not to be like, okay, well now we got to, you know, 15 tracks of this exact sound and if it's not this ex- exact sound people are going to hate it so i think we intentionally wanted to keep it kind of open so there's a lot of genre we, we have some you know post hardcore moments we have some you know quiet acoustic stuff we have some ska we have some easy core you know there's traditional pop punk there's midwest emo moments and i think we just wanted to come up with a conclusive like cliff divers more of the feeling, not the mm-hmm. technicality, I guess, <laughs> this is, is mm-hmm. kind of the vibe.
2: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, like, you know, spending all that time on the the sonics of it, um, and given the, you know, deeply personal, like, nature of the lyrics, um, do those kind of, like, flow out more naturally, or do you spend kind of as much time and intentionality on um, the, the lyrical side of things?
1: Very much so. We, I mean that's, I think that's part of the DNA of Cliff Diver is these, these lyrics and, and an honesty. And that was something we talked about before we started writing was, you know, where did this all come from? How honest do we get? And it's Cliff Diver. So it's, this one goes to 11 (laughs) and that's and so there was, there was a lot of, um, a lot of bonding that had to happen. There was, you know, there were days where I, I had to, I you know, it's, crying calling the guys like we need to meet today because I have a lot of feelings and you know and then you know end of the night we have like half a song or a whole song it was it was you know is very very emotional and very naked feeling but I think that's what people expect and I think people deserve that at least a little bit you know some music you listen to to forget how you're feeling and some music you listen to to feel a little less alone or to help guide your feelings or to validate them or whatever. And I feel like, um, that's a big part of what we do. So the commitment to that is still very much there. And we, we, I mean, we were, we were meeting a lot. There was a lot that went into this album. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. And I mean, the pandemic didn't hurt as far as time alone with each other in our quarantine pod, but like, it um, we we squeezed every drop out of it lyrically. And then, you know, Gil shows up and it just it went to 100 after that. And I think our process now is just it's,
0: it's natural. Yeah, I, I think that's it's, it's natural, but also I think it's they're like living documents. It's not like we write a line and go, that's it. That's it. These songs cannot be touched now. This is the song. I think there were several of them up until we had to literally record the part we were rewriting and changing and editing and going, this line just isn't it. It's just not right. It's just not. And then we'd sit there in the studio and all seven of us and Seth would be, you know, thumbing through rhyming dictionaries and going, I like (laughs) this line, but this line could be, it was stronger. And I think, um, the, the, we're lucky in the situation we have where we have Matt Ehler as our guitar player. And he is, a musical savant like he can just sit down and write a song um in in like a couple hours just he just sits down he's like i don't even know what i'm playing but here's a song i just wrote it like can't tell you the chords can't tell you the key but it shreds and it's just like he'll send it out he'll normally like email us over a song and be like this is the new song and then we start to write on it but um so that takes away a lot of the pressure when it comes to song kind of crafting is just that we have this resource like Matt, we need a different song. Now we need a song. that sounds like this, write me a song. I, and that's, you know, track five on our, on our, on the album, death is a, a wedding with eternity. I, I texted Matt and I was like, Hey, I need a sad song. That sounds like this makes you feel this way. And it's about this. So write me a song. And then, he, you know, he emailed me back and goes like this. Then I go like, yeah, just like that. You got it. And, um, <laughs> So that that really frees us up um, to make lyrics, I think, the focus. I mean, it's not the entire focus, obviously. Uh, The boys all rip. I mean, they're all so talented uh, as musicians, and that allows us to be a little more uh, confident in our ability to kind of dive into the lyrical side of things because we know that the the sonic um, nature of their performances is always going to be... You know, so such a good stage setter that we we owe it to the music, I feel like, to have lyrics that mean something. Um and and so I I think that is a focus. That it's it's one of the things that we hold the most value in because we were we are all scene kids, we're all emo kids. Like we had lyrics written on our binders, on our shoes, on you know, on our arms. Like I I can still quote the entire, you know entire albums from when i was that age because those lyrics sat with me and and live with me still some of those songs you know i can i just pull up and they're right there in in, in the brain and we we wanted we felt a responsibility to be intentional i guess is is the is the the synopsis but yeah i think i think it was a very important it's very important to us that our our lyrics aren't just you know whatever we push out. It, it, there's a lot of care that goes into it.
2: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about kind of like furthering the kind of uh, narrative that you started with at your own risk. Um, and it was on, I think it was on the good noise podcast where you're kind of saying that, you know, you kind of developed the story of the album, you know, kind of in real time, but then, you know, went back and pieced it together after the fact. And I'd love to hear kind of like a little bit more about that process and like the, you know, full album storytelling.
1: Brief. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say, I think that um, it, it really was unintentional, the, the at your own risk comparison. It's so funny because we kind of went back and it was like, well, this, that worked out. <laughs> but at the time, it, it just, it, the more we talked about it, the more, I mean, I think at one time, at one point, Joey actually said like this, a lot of these stories are kind of more in depth of what I wanted to tell on at your own risk. And, and, and so it, we kind of, we, we did take from that, the kind of idea of that sort of um, manic insecurity and, you know, loss of the self-control that kind of that, that idea and place. Um, and then doing the thing that we do, which is, you know, exploring that and kind of ending in it can get better, you know, hope, resilience, all of that kind of thing. And it, it, and so I think that, like, what happened was as we started, like, indulging these emotions that we were having through the songwriting, um, we kind of, once the songs got started, we could direct it towards the feeling of this song okay i've got i've got a line for this song because we got the chorus for that song and i was feeling that today and i you know i just came up with this line i couldn't stop thinking i got this mantra whatever it was and so what ended up happening was we ended up with like these nine entities this nine tracks on the song or on the album and what would happen is we'd have all these ideas and, and whatever and the the album kind of explores so many emotions There's, you know, there's grief, there's, there's insecurity, there's regret, there's hope, there's, you know, this kind of like self exploration There's a whole song about like, it's just very self examine, you know, examination and, and resolution and kind of that switch that happens. And so all of these songs started to as they started to shape it was like, as we experienced things and got together again, we had something to pour into that one song based on an emotion that we were having. So we, we had all these like nine buckets that were perfectly distinct that we sort of arranged one day and it was like, Oh, there's a story. (laughs) We those emotions tell a story if we put them from, you know, from kind of the, the, the the most relatable to maybe the darker ones to the, you know, to the light. And we did we did have to talk about it a few times cuz this the album gets dark. I mean it it's you know, exercise your demons, it's a pun, haha, ha, but like it's demons for a reason and there there is there there is there's is hauntings, there is there is there is self, you know, sort of like I, ideations that get questioned there's all these different examinations that happen and so i think it's also there's like a sense of bravery to it too i mean i i feel that way whenever i i know that like think about people listening to it and kind of this entire story but um i would say that there's just a, a lot of that honesty and that bravery and kind of kind of shaped the songs in a way that the the order became obvious if that makes sense i don't joey what do you think
0: no i i i uh... I think that's exactly right. I don't think, um, and it, there's some interesting parallels to it where it's like, <clears throat> at the time, it wasn't, when we were writing the individual songs, it wasn't like, okay, this song's gonna be the one that goes into this song, which is about this. So we wanna make sure this song. I think um, maybe towards the end, there was a little bit more of a focus on that. Once we kind of gotten a clearer picture of kind of what we had, um, there was more of like a, Oh yeah like Greece said that moment of realization where you go oh that's what this is about um and 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 that's the cool thing about having four people songwriting is we each can assign our own value um to individual lines even even lines that you know the other one wrote because they become um cliff diver and it's not like um you know here's here's this here's that this mine is yours it's like how do we it, it our saying is always whatever's clever so whatever makes the most sense whatever whatever works the best and, and then you can apply your own value to it which is very much what we want from for the listeners is like hey here's how we see it but if you see it differently that's cool too like I realized afterwards that some of my lyrical um, kind of con- contri- contributions to the album. Um, came from a place deep inside of me where i was begging myself to change to embrace the next step that i had been talking about since you know i wrote lost in ikea um the idea of actually forgiving yourself and loving yourself and moving on to the next step had um start that journey started um with joining cliff diver for me where i began to really continue to step up my care of myself. Um, and so for me, looking back on it now, I see it as myself asking myself to continue to change, to continue not to be um, sat in the, in the sadness, in the indecision, in the anxieties, and in the insecurities. But can we push forward to the next step? So for me, uh, I saw it as like, hey, man, you got to quit drinking. Like, these are the songs, like the first two songs is like, how long am I going to keep being this way? How long am I going to keep torturing myself because I refuse to deal with the things that are actually bothering me. Instead, I'm escaping, I'm pushing uh, these down. And and I, I even said to, to Brian that at one point, we were writing, and I was like, man, I gotta if I keep writing these songs about having a drinking problem, I'm gonna have to quit drinking eventually. And I didn't realize how true that was until later. Um, and so that's kind of a cool thing about um, having it like that was was that that ability to assign your own value to it. And it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a special thing. It really is. It means so much to us because it's real Um, for any different reasons. It's, it's, it's really cool to have a collective thing like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, when we talked last time um, you were, you mentioned kind of like the importance of, you know, you felt like telling the full story not just like the anxiousness, the despair side of things that people can relate to, but kind of like the, what happened between then and like now that you're performing it live. Um, and I'm curious, you know, especially with, you know, like you said, a lot of some of the like darker um, things on the album as well. Um, can you talk a little about kind of just like sculpting that journey?
0: Yeah, I, I think because it is um, a really vulnerable process for us as we're, we're writing um, and, and kind of, telling this story, I, I think it all ties together. And when, when we do it <clears throat> live is, is my favorite part of the band. Like I love making, writing songs. I love recording songs, but I, it's my passion and my obsession because I love performing live because you get to tell the longer stories that you can't, you know, no matter how many times you tell someone this is what this song means to me. Uh, Until you see someone, you know, a a grown man laying on stage, you know, screaming and crying, (laughs) I don't think you can, it it like adds a a level of like authority to the words to an extent where it's like, these aren't just things that we're we're talking about. These are things that we're we're living. And I think a lot of people in our genre um, kind of share that. And that's what makes this kind of, you know, DIY Twitter scene or whatever, the new fifth wave email or whatever you want to call it, of of people trying to write real things. Um, Of course, you always are going to have that schism of people or, you know, it's easier not to. It's easier not to really self-reflect, obviously. Um, But I think when you're intentional about trying to apply what you're saying to your actual life, then it makes it a bit more of a, a personal thing um, that allows us to tell these stories and to not stop at the bad parts and also not to shy away from the fullness of the despair of the sadness of the, you know, uh, inevitability of of time and these kind of things. I think Um, having a group and having people who believe in you around you allows you to really be yourself. um, Mm -hmm. And that freedom live is You know, I feel like that's some of the times I'm the most me I am because I get to just let it all out and it's, it's transformative. It's beautiful. For sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier also kind of like, you know, the idea of, you know, kind of trying to create lyrics similar to the lyrics that you connected to when you were, you know, the teenager, super passionate about music and stuff and all in your feels, of course. Um, well, I'm curious, though, like, how do you see that kind of, like, reflect in your fan base? Like, do you notice more, you know, people who are your peers or younger people who are kind of, like, in that, you know, kind of mindset that you're kind of writing towards?
0: Brie, you want to start this one off? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's kind of wild to me the... Um, whole gambit of the people that we have, you know, sending us messages or coming up to us at the shows being like, you know, these lyrics really helped. I mean, we've, we've had people in their sixties be like, man, you know, I, I don't like this kind of music, but you know, I, I, I felt some, I, it was, we played in Oklahoma city and these, the, the coolest 50 year olds in the venue were like, yeah, that was cool. And we were like, all right, cool. If you guys liked it, it must be all right. And, uh, but I mean, we have, you know, kids on Twitter who are, you know, younger and they're like quoting Cliff Diver all the time. I wish they'd quote the positive stuff instead of, <laughs> you know, some of the sadder songs. You know, we have a joke that when you, when you see someone post Cliff Diver, you want to DM them and be like, hey man, just breathe, breathe it out, go to counseling. <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, I think that people are starting, when they see us live, they get to see that it doesn't stop um, at the at the low points. Like it, it's still an everyday struggle. But I mean, like people have lyrics tattooed and stuff. It's crazy. Like people people have resonated with it. People have found um, a common commonality uh, kind of community around it. And I think that's why we have some of the best bands of. Uh, I think the one thing that kind of unites them all is this desire to. Find this new new, uh, new way to kind of live this kind of not stopping and not giving up and not settling, but, uh, truly reaching for something else because we tried everything else. And that's kind of the point of the band is like, we've tried all the stupid stuff and it doesn't work. (laughs) And I think we, we get to interact with a lot of people who feel exhausted and are just like, man, can you tell me it, it can get better? And we can say, yeah, we can, so. That's my pitch, and I'm sure I'm sure Breeze had um, different experiences with that as well. I mean, I think that's that's a cool thing. As we each – there's so many of us, we each get to interact with fans completely different. So,
1: yeah, I mean, um, I think that's uh, that's one thing we've heard. I think a lot, uh, especially like just you know, as we've been. <laughs> you know, letting the album around a little bit and stuff is it, just that there there is a wide range of people who seem to find it accessible. And I think it's important to be accessible. Um, like Joey says, it shows, you know, parents bring their 14 year olds who are the fans, sometimes a parent who's the fan. And I think, especially with this new album, I don't know, like, the style of music is such a love letter to some really nostalgic things for people in their, you know, late twenties, early (laughs) thirties. There's a lot of stuff. That's just a love letter to like that sort of emo becoming, you know, that post hardcore grunge becoming emo, becoming pop punk, that whole evolution, like that 1998 to 2008, like, blender, that yummy right there. That's the good stuff. And I feel like we did a lot of service to a lot of those things that we sort of invoked. And I think that, so there is something that's there. And I mean, like Joey and I are parents, we, we have a certain um, point of view. And so I think that it is really accessible for people our own age, but we've also been every age of everyone younger than us. (laughs) And there's a lot coming from that place as well. I've, I, there's, there's a 16 year old in here, just like there's a 17 year old, like all those memories are still there, that brain is still there. And we still speak from places that we can still access that because the experience you know, changes throughout time, but the, the emotions, the, the way, the, 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 the helplessness sometimes, the, the loneliness, that just being that age, being that that amount of powerful and powerless, just the things that happen at that age, happen to us we can speak from that point too and so I think it's it's like a good thing the older you get really if we could change the way we think about stuff it's really a good thing the older you are because you can access so much more and speak from those places and I I don't pretend to know what you know 19 year olds are going through right now but I know what I went through when I was 19 and I'm, I'm gonna talk about that to the best of my ability and I hope what I'm talking about is still accessible but that is that's definitely a part of, you know, what we're intentional about, again, is just that that accessibility because, I mean, for me, that's the big reason of why I'm here. You know, I, I was in a band, we played a lot around Tulsa, we weren't online a whole lot, but I was in a busy band. Um, I, and, you know, Cliff Diver presented a challenge that I didn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't looking for. Mm. And but for me, all the reasons to do it, uh, you know, a lot of them were based in representation and accessibility when it came to the band and to this music and to establishing an authority in that. And so, like, I think I think that we've been really intentional about it. So I think we're going to see, I I hope, a wide range of ages that all find this accessible and relatable because that's the goal for sure.
2: Yeah. And I mean, um, one of my favorite tracks on the album is, uh, Dick Van Yikes. I love the, uh, will I ever truly see you my, uh, see me the way others say I can be. And, uh, of course the hook, like the, I'll just ride along on the Swankaboat disaster. Um, can you just like talk a little about kind of how that song came together and, um, you know, what it means?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's our, our manager, Joe, it's his favorite song, um, on the record. He, he loves it. And, Um, maybe it might be one that we play on a future tour soon. It might just be one of those (laughs) songs. But, uh, I think, I think that one, that one holds a special place for me, um, because it's a, it represents kind of a pivot in, in mindset on, on the album. This kind of, you know, coming out of this haze of a dark night of the soul where you don't know for sure that you were going to be here the next day. And it's like waking up, you know, a couple days clean of a, of a hangover. And you're just like thinking for the first time, you're not, you're just like laying in bed, just like, Oh, I got to go do this all over again. But instead of having this, you know, defeated, like uh, it's groundhog day and nothing will ever get better. It's like, you know, whatever, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'll be in two months. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow, but I'm starting to think that maybe focusing on, on the hope as much as I can is a way that I can kind of be the, the person I want to be. Cause who I want to be is someone who is hopeful and who may not have the answers as we kind of get into later on, uh, you know, like I, Ikea strikes back. It, it's this whole idea of, yeah, maybe I don't have it all planned out, but no one does. So I think that if I can just trust, start to trust myself again, um, then I can start. It's kind of like the fulfilling of that, a more realistic Cameron Diaz, or it's like, I can just get a little bit of stability, then maybe I can build on that. But it, it with less of the uh, kind of unearned um, uh, I, I don't know about arrogance, but you know, it's kind of this idea of like when I was writing that song, I was like, and life will be so much better now. And then it like got way <laughs> darker and way harder. You know, than, and I, I think that was an important part on this on this album was like accepting the idea that we don't have it all figured out and we don't have Um, every answer in the world, but that's a, that's a good thing. That means there's still things to learn. That means there's still ways that life can surprise us in the positive as well as, you know, life still being hard. I mean, there's still that questioning in the song of like, I know I'm still going to struggle with this. You know, am I, you know, one day I still might lose that fight, but today I'm going to be probably okay. And so it's taking those first steps. That's what it means to me. I'd love to hear what Brie thinks about it.
1: I mean, that's that's what the song's about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of that. I mean, because th- that's that's it, right? You know. I mean, you talk to seventy-five-year-olds, and they're like, "I have no idea how I got here. I'm just seventy-five. I don't." Please don't treat me. <laughs> and everyone else is lying because we are all just figuring it out. And I think that it, there's an illusion to break that you know there's there's this perfect place, and you know maybe there is, and I. I don't know that I'll ever see it, but I can be okay with knowing that I'm investing in myself enough to at least be resilient, to at least know that tomorrow I can do a better job because and I can at least show up for it and that there's more coming and I'm gonna be here for it. And that's you know, and that's and it's just that that kind of commitment to resilience. It's that commitment to to making it through whatever comes and that that turning point from Okay, yeah, it all sucks, and I can keep doing what I'm doing, or I can learn how to live with myself, even if it's in a crazy world.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned a couple times uh, the song IKEA tri- IKEA Strikes Back, which is you know the second single and also the the album's closer, and um, you know harkens back to Lost at IKEA on uh, At Your Own Risk. Um, And I really love how they both kind of like end on, you know, this rallying kind of cry and like with the group vocals. Um, Can you talk a little about, uh, you know, Ikea Strikes Back specifically and kind of how the two songs, you know, intertwine?
1: So Ikea Strikes Back was one of the songs that we went to the studio with. um, Mostly done. (laughs) It was (laughs) mostly done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was like 69, 69% done. Nice. yes. Why the Minnelli? It was 45% done tops yeah, like, at best. It was, it was worried, worrying. Um, but we when we got up there, um, that song we had we had kind of known what it was about. We knew what we wanted to say, and that, you know, this sort of this, this idea in the same way that Lost in Ikea was kind of that anthemic, you know, mantra built in. This is what we want you to take away from all of this. We knew, we knew that that was it. And we still <laughs> didn't have it when we got to the studio. And um, I think we actually named it at the studio after we finished writing it. Um, but we, we kind of knew the direction that we wanted to go with it. And we were having the worst day. I'm gonna say, like, top ten worst day of my life. It was terrible. We were like stranded in Gary, Indiana, in this trailer park, like, and we're sitting out by this uh, Lake Minnehaha, and uh, the boys are playing disc golf, and I'm fuming because we don't have this phone done. (laughs) What?
0: Ultimate frisbee, not disc golf. Just for the record, for the record, it was ultimate frisbee.
1: Oh, because there wasn't a basket.
0: Exactly, <laughs> that's the only reason.
1: Excuse <laughs> me. Um, they were playing you know. <laughs> and I see I don't play ultimate frisbee. I play disc golf. That's why I don't know. So <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching them play, and I'm just I'm 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 frustrated. I don't know how they're playing. I'm happy for them that they can relax and have a good time, but I can't. And I'm and we I'm like we have to show up tomorrow with the chorus for this song that we don't have, or an outro, and half the verses are just whatever. And what's so funny about it is I'm sitting there and I wrote I wrote the chorus watching them playing disc golf, and they get done. They come up and I was like Matt, I got it. And he was like knew you would hit me with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we from there it was just it, train left the station. And from there, it was like, it was so funny. Cause what we were going through fed so much into that resolution that's in that song. And that, that, you know, I'm kind of looking up from the gutter, <laughs> you know, um, that, that situation and that point of view, that was very much where we were. So it, that's what naturally came out that, that outro, I wrote it down on a coffee filter and I went to Joey and I was like, I think I got it. Like this all I've been thinking all day and I can't stop thinking about it. I think it's it. He looks at it. He's like, Bree, that's it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it though. And so he wrote the um, the music for it. And he was like, this is how we're going to chant it. This is how it's going to go. And um, it was, it was beautiful. And it was, it was so encapsulating the song itself of what we were going through in our mindset. It it's so like transparent. I don't know how else to put it. Cause we, we were talking to ourselves in writing <laughs> that song. Like, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we had one, we had the verses, and then we had one iota of a line for the chorus. Another year alone. That's all we had. And Cause we had we were singing it a different way originally, and that's it. That's all we had. We we kept writing, 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 right. We were writing the entire time we we're in the studio trying to come up with better ideas, good ideas. And there was just there was just nothing like I like we knew we needed to tie a bow on it. And we knew we needed to kind of bring this album together. And and, it, you know, some of my favorite things I've ever written and, and sung and that were very emotional for me. That second verse, especially it's, it's a, you know, kind of a love letter. It's a letter to my dad about what a great daddy is and how I hope I can be, you know, the dad he is, because that's. You know, a, a big reason for me trying to become a better person um, is for my son because he deserves it. He deserves a dad that's going to be around, um, both physically and mentally. Um, and and he deserves he like he deserves the world. He's a great kid, and I I so much of my struggle in the past has been this um, this feeling of being useless, of never going to be able to be a good father, a good enough father, and that I'm always going to be this mess this this pain ridden, you know, open wound mess. And I, I could never be a good enough dad. And and that tortured me for a really long time. Um and and I think um this song's kind of like this this promise I, I get to make to him of like, you know, we're on I'm on my way now. I promise you that I will own who I've been and you know, like that's what the song became, like this mantra to us. Like, Brie came, you know, bring brings those lyrics, and we go outside. We have the phone in between us. You know, the other guys are laying down their chorus melodies, like harmonies and stuff, and we're up. Like, we gotta finish this thing. And she's like, "Here's some lyrics," and I, I read them three, four times, and I was just like, "Yeah." I mean, this is this thing. This is what I I want to say to me, and it's what I want to say to 17 year old me. It's what I want to say to. You know me in ten years. This, like it, 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 it resonated, and and you know, it was such a quick process after that. We we did it in three, four minutes. Where you know once, and that's the cool thing about riding with someone. Um, when you get on the same wavelength, it is something to behold. It is such, a, you know, a cosmic affirmation. It feels like where you are like, oh, okay. Yes. And then here's this part. And then it's, yes, of course, that's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's not it's it's almost like we're getting things re- like the, you know, layers are coming off and we go, oh, it's always been that. That's what it's always been. We just couldn't see it because we were trying to be too clever or too you know, whatever. And I think <laughs> when we go back to just kind of sharing where we are, um, I think that's when we're able to be the most effective um, as a band. I think whenever we're able to not make it too cool or clever and we can kind of bypass all the performative emotions and get to the core of it, that's, I don't know if this is the right path, but I do know that this is way better than it was. And if all else fails, like, at least progress is being made. At least progress is is happening. And that is good enough because when you've been stuck in the the useless trap, the whole of I'm this is just who I am. I wish I could change, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an easy place to get stuck at. And some people never get out of it. You know, you'll you'll meet people in their 50s and 60s who are just like, that's just who I am. If you know, and it's like, you you run at that first sign of cognitive dissonance but you know i think when you're able to stand uh, against it in this like brie said this kind of brave moment of declaration of gosh i don't know if this is gonna work out but uh let's do it let's just do it let's quit let's quit waiting on 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 the perfect opportunity because it doesn't exist you have to create it so that's kind of that song it's a very special song to both of us i mean it's it it is a mission statement if there ever was one for, for who we we're trying to be as people like we're, we're trying to get better for our sake but also for the people who count on us because we're not alone in this thing
2: for sure yeah i mean i guess kind of like going off the idea you know the, the album title being exercise your demons um i'm curious kind of like what is one of the like darkest moments on the album for you and kind of like what what was the release of, you know, like writing it out physically and, you know, performing it?
0: Yeah, I think Brie and I both have um, one song that we kind of um, each wrote that are kind of these these two, f- track four and five are kind of like these real uh, sad, sad songs. And I'll, I'll let Brie talk about, you know, track four, which which she she wrote the majority of um, and I think is a, is a masterpiece of the song. But uh, track five is about um, a nightmare I was having. As I, I kind of talked about this on on Good Noise the other day, but it was it was this uh, repetitive dream um, that had dug its way so deep into my psyche that it became a haunting. It was a a very real um, dream from with with someone who had who had died, and, and but it was it was I could it was tangible, you know. It was this this like she was there in those dreams. I have I you know like. I, it, it felt very much so, um, and accessing that, um, was really hard and we knew it was going to be when we wrote it. Um, you know, when, when I originally like, cause that's one of the songs I sent to Brie when we wrote it, we wrote five first and we wrote these, these verses and it's, um, a different side of, of me vocally. I think, um, it's kind of this, uh, almost soliloquy it's like this this performance this this like real rage against the future against your lot in life against everything and it's just this this shakes like it 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 was very much for me like hamlet you know act three scene two and that that to be or not to be like am i gonna keep doing this or am i just gonna quit because if i'm just gonna quit i'm just gonna quit because i can't keep doing this um and then 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 it it was a really dark and heavy song and it is to an extent but it's also a beautiful song because it represents um this kind of shift in focus for me personally on how i viewed these dreams where i thought it was this malicious thing and then brie and matt wrote this chorus that changed the meaning of the song to uh, her perspective and 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 they took and i'll let brie talk about that too because she has a really cool story about when they wrote that but it changed it for me at first, at first I hated it. I hated the chorus. I was like, no, absolutely not. This is not it. And then I listened to it a second time and went, no, this is it. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. I right, I right. um, but it changed the way I viewed this. And as not her being like, come join me, come die, but her being like, no, don't you see that I messed up? And you can't mess up too. You I like I'm trying to get through to you to say, hey, this isn't the way out. There's no, there's no like 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 reprieve here like there's no there's no easy way um and you you're romanticizing this this thing that's actually not what you think it is so for me that's 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 one of the 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 darkest moments um and and then track three um uh, frankie Muniz on smoke no mids just the chorus is um was something that i really struggle with it's I, i don't know you know i don't know when i'll stop feeling like the villain in my own story um, because I feel like so many people can relate to that. It's just like, okay, well, I figured out what the problem was. I thought it was everything else, but it's just me. <laughs> and so that's a hard feeling, but it doesn't, those are probably, I think, I think, um, the, 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 dark moments on the album, but it's, um, it's not where it stops. So that's why I love them so much.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say, you know, the conversation around sort of suicidal ideation is not new to the cliff diver canon, And it's not something that is, I think, shocking as a topic, but I do think that the exploration of it here, especially how it relates to um, how Joey was telling his story in track five uh, death is what, or um, yeah, death is a wedding that song. I mean, it was, We we had to talk about it, four and five. Like I said, it was it was something where four, I I it was the song I was saying, I had a really bad day. I called the guys and I was like, we have to get together tonight because A, I just I don't want to be alone, but B, because I think I can use this. And you know, I we'd had we talked about a ballad and I I wanted in on that and I felt like I had a lot going that day. And so we got together and I wanna say we almost Finished that song that day, track four. It was me and uh, me and Joey and Matt, and I think Gil came about halfway through. But we just sat down, and I the guys helped me. But we we just wrote this whole story about this sort of that 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 contemplation and sort of the ideas that you have, and and sort of fitted into the story that Joey was telling with track five, where it's kind of that that conversation with someone who has crossed that line and you're looking at the line thinking about it, you know, and, and I think we're not afraid to say that we've, we've seen it, we've looked at it, we've considered it. And that's, that's kind of the admission we're making here and kind of the, the, the peak behind that. So for track four, for me, it was just that idea. What are those thoughts when you're, you know, you're preparing to very seriously look at that line and that kind of idea of, um, of wondering what people would think of you for doing it, what people would think of you for getting so depressed in the first place and messing up to that point, uh, what your life's become, all of the the different things that kind of start going when you, when you indulge that thought is kind of track four for me. And, um, leading into that track five, uh, where Joey talks about, um, you know, losing his fiance to suicide. And when we didn't, he didn't have a chorus, you know, it was, you know, the, I mean, the verses had been done, he sent them to me years ago. This song has been amazing for a long time and we have been developing it for, I mean, it it, it was just incredible. And we, we wanted to approach it correctly because it was so perfect the way that it was. So anything we added needed to just be added. Um, And so we were listening to it and I don't even think Joey was there at first. Yeah, Joey wasn't there and we were listening to it. And I was like, you guys, like, if I'm gonna do the chorus on this, if, and I'm being honest, I just feel like let's have a let's have a conversation because the song before we're talking about looking at it. Song five is really considering it. What come you know, like Joey says in the song, like sometimes this seems faster than another you know, or this seems uh, another 50 years of pain. Sometimes this just seems faster. This is just easier. It's it's the out. And I'm like, but we need to have that thought that that contrast that. Cause I don't think she would beckon him that way. I don't think someone who loves you would beckon you that way. I think if anything, you know, on the other side of it, you'd be telling people you love to that you made a mistake and that, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And as someone who has survived an attempt, that is the feeling that you have afterwards. It's kind of like, thank God I failed. And you don't want anyone to succeed with that ever. And so kind of that becoming a conversation and again something we had to talk about a lot yeah. in presenting. But it was kind of like, no, that's that's what I would say. That's what I would say back as you know, somebody who's been in the gray. It's like I would say no, like you know I love you. Don't do this. Think about it, whatever. And so kind of delving into that, going to that place and thinking about what you would say to someone you love who's on the other side but flipped. It 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 was an exploration (laughs) it was a very honest exploration and we had to talk to Joey about it you know afterwards like he said where it was kind of like listen to this see what you think about going this direction and and I love that he loved it got it and but that I you know just bringing that that other side to it was so important for that balance in the song so I think I think as always you know an exploration of the deep but with a clear understanding that there's better there's hope there's something else, there's other options, you you know, there's, it gets better.
0: Yeah, I'd say even that subtext exists in, in New Vegas Bomb, I mean, it's a fun party song, but the subtext of the song is I wanna party until I am no longer in whatever, whatever state I'm in, I just don't wanna do it anymore, whatever that ends up being, hopefully it'll, cause I, I think I was I was passively suicidal for a lot longer than I was actively suicidal, where I was doing things intentionally um that were dangerous that were that were you know painful and stuff like that because i didn't care if i lived or died and you know i joined the army so i could hopefully die and that didn't work out just made me more sad you know and like these were the these were kind of like when you're dealing with grief and loss like you just don't want to feel that way anymore and so you're looking for whatever out there is and i think like vegas bomb is, is so fun because it's a fun party song but then like it's, the whole point is i want to be erased I, whatever it is i just want it to stop i want to stop if it's me if it's the pain whichever one comes first something has has to not feel like this and if that's being obliterated you know the, and that's kind of the theme the first half of the album is is kind of that slide into the question into the moment at the end of a long weekend where you've crossed all the lines you said you weren't gonna cross again when it comes to like taking care of yourself and partying and then you end up with this existential moment where you're staring into eternity and you're going well <laughs> you know what is this it and and I, I was trapped there for a long time until I almost died um, when you know in 2016 I almost died I had an accidental uh overdose it's a long story about a time loop and an acid trip but uh uh i remember laying on the on the table in the er holding my dad's hand as they were trying to like get my heart beating correctly and me being like i'm so sorry this is not what i wanted this is not what i wanted and i wanted and i i i almost fetishized it for so long it became this golden escape that was always there if things got bad well it doesn't matter i'm probably gonna yeah end my life anyway so whatever man and, and that was a train That was a moment in my life where things started to get better. After that day, I suicide went off the table as an option. Um, I still struggle with the ideations constantly. That's just depression. Uh, it's never going to stop. I'll be having a great day. You know, you know, everything's going well. And then my brain will be like, yeah, but we could just crash the car and die. That'd be sick. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be sick to be dead? And you're like, no, shut up. I'm trying to move on. So uh, anyway, it's a,
1: And a big driver, I would say for the reason why all of this made it out is because as honest as Joey is, like it encourages that same honesty, like out of me, out of, out of anyone else who, you know, is in the room writing and you find out by talking about it, how much Joey and I, you know, have in common with that. And it's like, well, if I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, exactly what I'm talking about, then for sure there's other people who know what we're talking about. And so it's, again, goes back to that, like that bravery where we just had to make the decision to be like, no, this is the thing that people go through because if you, if it's here, then it's out there. So let's do it.
0: And, and if, if we can earn people's trust that we've been where they are, then maybe they'll listen to us when we say it gets better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well said.
2: And I think that's a a perfect segue into what's always my last question, which is um, asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about, you know, if someone's in a position you've been in, in the past, or, you know, if you want to talk to a new band just starting out or, you know, whatever kind of advice or something you've been thinking about that you would just like to share.
1: Comparison will kill your drive faster than anything. I'm not talking about inspiration, inspiration's easy to get from other people if your mind's in the right place but I mean there's there's so many things I would have done with my life earlier and things I would have done things I'm doing now that I I could have been doing for a long time if I had stopped comparing myself to other people and talking myself out of things so I would say you know I and it seems so cliche but it's fine really take time because everyone says you know find out what's great about you and then capitalize on that. And no one tells you how long that takes and how much intentionality that takes and how much sitting with yourself that takes. Explore your art, explore every little bit of what being an artist can mean and and what you can do, and then do what feels right. Don't compare it to other people, take inspiration from other people and leave the rest at the door. And don't let that Don't let that stop you because I am, I am insecurity central. And as I get older and as it falls off, I just, I wish somebody would have hit me and said, get to know yourself, love yourself and then just be, be the good, the things about you that you want to be and stop worrying about how it looks next to what somebody else is doing. Uh,
0: I'm going to try and take that advice currently. (laughs) That's great. You know, cause it, 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 that's, that's great. Uh, I,
1: well, I mean, we do with that, like with the band, it's, it's like with the, like with sitting on an album for so long and people are having releases, they're announcing tours and like with how amazing everything's been received and going for us, we kind of seem like brats now looking back, Like <laughs> at the moment, we didn't know anyone was going to like any of this. We didn't know, you know, Sidewind Dummy was going to want us. We just knew we were dumping all of our money and time into a project and everyone else is look at them go. And it's something that could have taken us out at the knees. It's real, 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 real shit that you cannot look at other people's wins and make it a reflection of yourself. It is, you know, arrogance and insecurity are two sides of the same, looking at yourself (laughs) coming. Like just, just let it be.
0: (laughs) That's that's wonderful advice. Um, Yeah, gosh, that resonates. I love that. Uh, I mean, and even still to this day, like, yesterday we're making a music video and there are moments where we're like, Brie and I are looking at each other. We're like, was that, was that, was that any good? And we're like, yeah, of course that was awesome. But it's like, still there's that part of us. that's like, uh, they're going to find out that I'm not the same level (laughs) that they are. And even comparing yourself to other just individuals, like, that'll get you up the Creek fast. Um, I'd say my only, my advice, the thing that I've been working on the longest, um, and it's still an everyday thing is forgiving yourself. And it sounds easy. It sounds so easy. Like you gotta forgive yourself to move on. You go, of course, yeah, 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 I forgave myself. Yeah, it's fine, I, you know, but, you know, I think my self growth took so much longer than it could have if I could have ever actually looked at who I was um, with more than just hate. Um, or who I, or who I, you know, was uh, two months ago, or yesterday, or the day before, and it was always with such a feeling of contemption, of you stupid, stupid, idiot. Like, how could you not see this coming? Like, how how many times can hubris kick you in the face before you realize? Like, and it was always this 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 lack of patience and this like w- you you're doing this thing again. You should already be better than this. You should know better than this. Um and and i think that ties into that the feeling useless thing it, they, they come together in this just carousel of of self-deprecation and that's where it starts it starts with ah we suck i suck you know little off-handed comments to to deal with the insecurities you know but it become it became an obsession where everything i said was self-deprecating every single thing was I'm a piece of shit. Uh, you know, I'm a piece of shit or blah, blah, blah. I'm an alcoholic, whatever, blah, <laughs> You know, and, and it starts as a defense mechanism, a defense mechanism that becomes something that becomes defining in your life, where even when you do try and break out of it, you've built up so many mechanisms in your brain that begin to tear apart any argument you have that things could get better or that you could get better because you have the, uh, you know, all, all the facts, you have all the evidence of going, well, if you, if I was really going to get better, I would have got better by now. I'm 34 years old. When am I going to stop this? When am I going to stop that? But like, until you're able to look at yourself and go, man, I really was trying my best then, even if it didn't look like it, even if it looked like I was just being an idiot, like I was in so much pain and I was, I was so scared of everything and, 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 and of being hurt more than I thought if I just, you know, created this full defensive shell that I could survive, but like life's about more than survival. But you also have to like recognize the fact that we all, it's something we all do. We all revert to these kind of defensive behaviors when it comes down to ourselves. Cause I can tell people all day that you were special. Don't let me hear you talking trash about yourself or you're going to, you know, I'm going to mess you up. But then people will be like, "Okay, you, you challenge, you start it. You, you don't say you say something nice about yourself." And I'm like, "Shut up, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you." And so I, I think I think honestly, taking that moment and 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 forgiving yourself for who you used to be, and that also applies to performers. Like I spent so long like apologizing or like cutting people off, and they'd be like, "Hey, this song means a lot to me from the first EP." I'd be like, oh, that song's trash. How would you like that song? That song is so stupid. You're an idiot. Like, because the new stuff's so much better. But it was because I couldn't handle having any imperfections. You know, I couldn't handle growing. I always wanted to be grown. I didn't want to grow. I just wanted it to be done. And for me not to have to do it anymore. Um, but that's not how it works. <laughs> so have some patience. Have some, have some kindness towards yourself. Um, and remember that, like, There's still time i mean it's not gonna it's you can always restart you can always change your ending you can always change who you are i'm a completely different person than i was a year ago completely it's not even it's not even close to the same thing um and it was painful but and it took time man i can look myself in the mirror most days without flinching and that's a nice feeling so If I can do it and I'm the biggest idiot that's ever lived. So if if I can figure it out then I promise you, you can too. Just, just don't give up before it it turns around because it, it can, I promise. So that's probably my advice to anyone who needs it (laughs) and to me. (laughs) still. (laughs) Yes, for sure.
2: Um, I mean, I feel like there's a million more things I could ask you, but I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, is there anything that, uh, we haven't heard that you've been like really itching to get out about the album, about the tour, about anything else, Cliff Diver related.
0: There are things, but we can't talk about them. <laughs> Today was a good day in the Cliff Diver camp. Big things coming. <laughs> oh shoot! Big things coming, local baby.
1: <laughs> No, we. I. The, I mean, it's just we're just really grateful. It's it's been we've built this huge team. And not huge, but they are huge. They're huge people. We're, we're all huge. <laughs> um, but like our manager, um, Joe, our our booking agent, like we we have this like team of people. It all sounds so professional, but we're all just friends. And you know, it's it's they're all connections that have been made organically. You know, we don't put out an ad for looking for a booking agent. You know, like stuff like that. It's, it's people who have sought us out and a team that we've built. So I, I would just say, like, I'm really excited about tours that are coming up this year and maybe some festivals and and about everything that our team is sort of, like, they just believe in this album and us so much. Our, the label's been incredible. Side One Demi, I can't say enough about how supportive they've been and how much, you know, they love the album and stuff. So I just, I guess I would just say, like, I'm excited because I think Clifton is getting ready to just really Hit some new, evolve a little bit, I guess, and, and hit some new highs this year. And I'm, I'm really, I wish I could tell you specifically what they are, but that's what I want to say. Because that feels a little bit relieving if I
2: can't give specifics. Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> uh, I would say we're also super pumped about our tour with Carpool and Goalkeeper. Those tickets are available on our website, cliffdiverok.com. Uh, Matt would kill me if I did another interview where I <laughs> didn't mention where you can find tickets or give any, uh, You can our socials are cliffdiverok.com, you know, as well, so, um, but we're super pumped about that tour, we're hitting East Coast for the first time, um, cannot wait to make new friends, play with some awesome bands, and hopefully meet uh, all of you, anyone who's listening to this podcast, I hope I get to meet you in uh, May, June, if not, then, you know, maybe one of these other <laughs> Tours we can't talk about quite yet. Maybe, possibly. But we're very excited. We're excited. I mean, that's... in the end of the day, like, we get to actually take a run at our dreams, and that's the craziest thing still. <laughs> and I don't think that'll ever stop being surreal.
2: All right, and there you have it. Uh, if you haven't checked out Cliff Diver and specifically exercise Your Demons, definitely get right on that, because it's fucking amazing. Cliff Diver are the kings of the new wave whether you want to call it emo whether you want to call it pop punk it's a little bit of everything and it's truly awesome Uh, i think i'm gonna be switching for at least a little while to a bi-weekly schedule just to let you know i'm gonna i know my schedule's literally been all over the place since i started this podcast um but you know i think bi-weekly is the right choice for me for a little while something coming at you two weeks from today on june 21st and going to be another awesome band. I'm not sure who it is yet, but we're going to make it happen. Flying the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you as always to The Alternate for opening to promote the show, Jirai for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyinthecallpod at gmail.com. Things are hard, but there's silver lining when it gets back.